Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we are going to be talking about manufacturing today with a very special guest, Sean Kitchell, who is with uh, Matico. He's the president and CEO, and we're going to be talking about various aspects of manufacturing, uh, both with China and here at home. Uh, Lou, this should be an interesting conversation with Sean. Um I, I believe it will be. Uh, I had a, a brief conversation with Sean uh, about a week or so ago, so a little bit of a different uh, aspect of manufacturing, which we haven't touched on yet. But uh, and for that reason, uh, we, we thought that uh, it would make for an in- interesting show. So let's take it away. So, Sean, I welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, first of all, and I'd like you to give our listeners what – some idea of what Matico is and does. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Glad to be here. Uh, Matico is a 116-year-old manufacturer who, throughout its history, has been marked by innovation and change. And if we described the company today, we're a manufacturer and distributor of a broad range of products and materials that we sell around the world into a variety of different industries. Our core processes are metallizing and coating and laminating, but the products we make uh, range from window tinting on your car to um, parts of um, aircraft to solar cell uh, components, so a wide range of different types of materials. And I'm just curious, Sean, I have to ask because you're, it looks like you're in coatings. Mm-hmm. Is graphene entering your radar screen at all? No, the, the types of coatings that we um, work with, most of our products are optical products, and so they're clear, transparent products. And so graphene is really not on our radar today. Okay, just curious. It's a Tim has a wild <laughs> Tim has a wild fascination for the technology behind graphene. So he brings it up every now and again. <laughs> I, I will say I that it's really happy with it. <laughs> I, I will say that um, our parent company. Um, has a nanoscience technology research center that's a joint venture with uh, the University of Texas in Dallas where they've worked on some interesting things with um, with those types of materials, but we've not been able to find a way to integrate them into the kinds of products we sell today as of yet. Well, you may just have to grow into a new product line. We may, and that's what Matico is all about. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. So of the 116 years of uh, existence of your company, you've gone through apparently many uh, modifications in terms of products. Um, I thought some of your older products were kind of interesting 
as to where you wind, wound up today. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of the history of some of the products, just, just so our, our listeners can get a, a broader view. Okay. So the original company was founded by do, two gentlemen in uh, Boston whose original product were leather postcards. So if anyone's ever seen a leather postcard, that was the, the foundation of Matico. And from leather postcards, they evolved into printed postcards who they distributed through a company called Halls Brothers, which later became Hallmark, um, and then moved into complementary products. And wrapping paper was one of those products um, that Matico was really one of the first companies in the early uh, late teens, early 20s that really kind of changed how gift giving was done. You know, prior to that, people's wrappings um, on gifts were pretty boring, white tissue paper, ribbons. And um, Matico started importing some materials from Europe and creating these bright, bold patterns for wrapping paper. And then uh, got into metallizing to make them shiny and tinsel. From, from the metallizing, we moved into window films for automotive and architectural applications, which got us into optical products, to, which moved us into healthcare, aerospace, electronics, and a lot of different areas that we participate in today. Do you uh, manufacture the UV filters that go on uh, windows, home windows, for example, the ones that block UV rays or IR yeah. rays, we certainly right. do. Yes. So right. for homes, for commercial buildings, um, all sorts of applications uh, in the architectural area. Uh, just to give you an idea how well that actually works, uh, uh, I built our our home 30 years ago, and every window has uh, UV filters on it since. We moved in 30 years ago, and all of our furniture, particularly uh, the cloth fabrics uh, on, on couches and chairs and so on, have not faded one iota, and it's really well, amazing. Well, that's very good, and hopefully it's one of our products. Um, we've been I'm making sure it those <laughs> types of products since the early 70s. So if you look mm -hmm. at the window film industry, we're one of the pioneers, one of two or three companies that really, you know, developed that industry. Really? Really? It's it's really quite amazing. My wife wanted to buy a new couch. I said, what fork? It's perfect. <laughs> Brand new. So uh, I, I took away her excuse to redecorate after 30 years. <laughs> Well, tell her I apologize for that. <laughs> That's all right. She got me on the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, right. That's okay. I was, head, I was headed the same direction. I'm just, I'm always curious how the customer uses Sean's product. Uh, well, again, it's, it's, we have a wide range of products. We make over 5,000 different products today that we actively oh. make. Um, and so everything from um, components that go in urine test strips to uh, 
the little glasses that you get when you go to the optometrist and they dilate your eyes. Uh, we make right. the we make the materials for those. To if you're in a commercial aircraft, we make insulating materials that go inside the planes. Um, we make a lot of safety and security products for intrusion prevention. Uh, bomb blast mitigation, which is you know very important if you're an embassy or a military installation. Um, to um, we make parts for armored vehicles as well to to help with the you know the anti-ballistic rated glass um, that goes on those vehicles. So quite a quite a wide uh, range of products. Our newest product is actually a material that is used for stadium roofs and other kinds of shade providing or um, weather protecting kind of canopies that's transparent have, and strong. Have you gotten a phone call from Elon Musk yet for his truck? <laughs> <laughs> no, we have not. But we could have kept his windows from breaking. <laughs> In case Mr. Musk is listening, why don't you give us your URL and email address and for our other our other listeners? Uh, sure. If you want to look up our website, it's www.madico.com. And that gives you an overview of all the different kinds of products and uh, applications that we're involved with. Well, that's great. Uh, Mr. Musk, you're, you're, you're free to call anytime. <laughs> yes. We, we may have to get one of our social media gurus to tweet that out so uh, Mr. Musk can find out you <laughs> exist because that would be a great addition. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I think when we had talked earlier, Lou, you know, mm -hmm. I think one of the keys to Matico's longevity is uh, a strategy of innovation and change and diversity. Um, you know, if you can imagine, if we'd still be making leather postcards, we probably wouldn't be uh, be in business today. But You'd be I the way of the uh, horseshoe manufacturer. Exactly, exactly. Right. So I, I think that's, um, you know, one of our key strategies is to continue to innovate, continue to uh, diversify, but always with, you know, a strong alignment to our core strengths and capabilities. One of the things that uh, Tim and I talk about uh, quite often is about uh, the skills gap and uh, education and the shrinking manufacturing force. And uh, I, I know that you're uh, supporting skilled workforce through uh, education. Uh, why don't you give us a little insight on that? Yes. Uh, you know, our main manufacturing site, or one of them, is um, in Florida, which is not really known as a heavy manufacturing um, base uh, anyway. But mm -hmm. certainly in the technically skilled areas, um, people who understand PLCs, who understand, you know, skilled electricians, welders, 
um, those types of, of people, there's definitely a shortage. And even our operators, um, we have to train because our processes are very technical. You know, everything's computer driven and um, very precise, done in clean room environments. So the folks that we get, um, you know, out uh, from the workforce really just aren't capable to come in and to, uh, you know, to do the job right away. So it takes us to fully train an operator about three years from the time they come in to, uh, really? to be fully trained. Yeah. And so part of our challenge has been, you know, finding people who are willing to, uh, you know, commit to that kind of training, and it's highly specialized. So if you're in Florida, it's not like there are 30 manufacturers that you can go to and use these skills. Some of them obviously are transferable, but not all. So we really had to revamp our whole compensation and incentive systems to um, provide sufficient incentive for people to want to come to work for Matico and stay with us for many, many years. That's one of the problems with the uh, youth generation today. Uh, it's, they're not necessarily looking for jobs for life. Uh, so that's a, that's a problem for you also. It is an extreme problem, and, you know, for those of us who um, are not uh, millennial, understanding that the way they think, the way they behave, what they value is very different, perhaps, than, uh, you know, what I did when I was entering the workforce. So we've really had to adopt um, a lot of practices that, you know, we wouldn't have seen traditionally. Like, for example, we do some sort of employee engagement activity every month, and we try to get employees involved with whether it's a cornhole tournament or it's uh, some sort of luncheon or ping pong. And so we have basketball goals. We have ping pong tables. We have those things set up in the factory. We've designed our um, our benefits packages to tailor more towards um, the millennials. There's a choice program, but but so that we can um, more uh, you know better service their needs. And I think those are all keys to retaining people. And so far, it's been pretty successful. But we really only started on this path in 2016, so. Ten more years, we'll really be able to tell this tale. Well, to uh, share uh, a story with you, uh, there was a, an aluminum metals company up in Connecticut years ago. Uh, they still exist, and uh, they copied uh, from one of the uh, serial TV shows where they had a nap room where if you wanted to take a nap for uh, an afternoon for an hour or so, as long as you put in an extra hour at the end of the day. And they also had um, unisex bathrooms. That actually made CNN news coast to coast. Uh, this was okay. about 10, 15 years ago. So maybe there's some thoughts there about having unisex bathrooms, and that might be a, a thrill for a millennial. <laughs> uh, 
certainly on the customer side, we see how we have to interact with customers is completely different than it was in the past. You know, my children and the millennial generation, everybody wants to be able to order everything from their phone. They don't like talking to people in real life, it seems to me. Uh, so, yeah, right. <laughs> so we've had to create you know, apps and e-commerce portals, et cetera, to try to be able to accommodate that style of, you know, wanting to order from Amazon um, rather than, you know, the more traditional call somebody on the phone or visit one of our retail stores. Oh, you have retail outlets as well. Yes, we have, uh, we call them service centers, but we have uh, nine of them around North America, two are in Canada, seven in the U.S., that uh, we stock products and then we sell directly to, um, we call them installing dealers, but they're consumers who apply our products on buildings and houses and cars. Um, are the store names the same, Matico? Yeah, they're Matico, and then, um, you know, they all have a location name. So it's Matico Northwest, Matico, you know, uh, Matico Dallas, Matico whatever. So. Oh, that's, in that's interesting. Tim? Uh, uh, Sean, uh, thanks, Lou. Sean, I'm, I'm just fascinated by your products, and I am imagining that your production floor, call it a factory or, or uh, a shop, is not dark, dirty, and dangerous, but in fact has probably got to be a clean room level standards. Is that about right? That's exactly right. So all of our manufacturing is done in a clean room. So it's very bright, it's very white. Everybody's, you know, in the, uh, the clean room uh, gowns and hairnets and shoe covers and all the those sorts of things so uh you've been around for 116 years what's the most interesting or challenging application without giving away defense department secrets that you've been asked to solve ah that that's a that's a good question you know there have been many over the years but there's one that i find particularly interesting there's a building in Las Vegas, it's the Vidara building, and it had uh, a unique architecture. It was designed so that it's concave surface, which, you know, looks great, but what the architects didn't um, take into account was that the sun in Nevada uh, in the summer would reflect off of these surfaces, and it actually focused the uh, rays from the sun down to the the pool area and was actually burning people so this <laughs> building became known as the burning man building okay <laughs> and so um, they contacted us to see if we could create um, some sort of application some solution that would prevent it from uh, doing just that. And so we were able to come up with a solution for them that um, they could apply onto the window and it would prevent the sun from, from, from doing what it did, 
as well as give other benefits, as Lou had mentioned earlier, in protecting, you know, their uh, their curtains and furnishings from fading. Well, I actually have heard this story, so I'm glad to hear that I now know the company who did this. Uh, this uh, reminds me, being that I'm in the metals industry for for my real work, um, that in a, on one of the ships, cruise ships. They used stainless steel for inside the swimming pool, and they got oh. the same they got the same effect. <laughs> People would jump in the pool and they would literally get fried so they so maybe you ought to reach out to the cruise ship lines and see if their problem still exists <laughs> <laughs> but Sean, Sean yeah. I'm just curious. I'm just curious, Sean, in the wind turbine industry, it turns out now 20, 25 years later, since these have been popping up, that the leading edge of the blade gets beat up badly by dust in the air, which is like sand particles or sandpaper or grit, and they have to take them down and resurface them. Is that anything that you're looking into protecting the leading edge of those uh, turbine blades? Yes, we actually do some of that. Um, it's not a big <laughs> business for us, but uh, we do apply a protective film that goes on the leading edge of the turbine blades just for the very reasons that that you uh, mentioned. Well, here's, a, here's, a, here's a thought. You know, if you happen to drive a car a lot, particularly on highways, that front end of the vehicle usually gets pretty well beaten up by rocks and bugs and sometimes a deer or two. Um, this could be also a, a topic for you to look at, protecting the front end of that car. Um, we also do that. Um, we call it paint protection <laughs> film, but it's a clear film that goes on the hood, the mirrors, the front a quarter panel, the bumper, to protect it from bugs and stone chips. Um, so we have a product for that. We also have a product that goes on the windshield of the car to protect it from, you know, the windshield from being cracked by stones, etc. It's, um, it's, it's a fairly expensive product, so we don't sell that particular product for everyday drivers. But if you've got your Lamborghini and you don't want to get the windshield broke or you've got an antique car, then we sell a lot of that product for those owners. How about a 94 Jag? It would work well on your 94 Jag. <laughs> I may have to reach out to you. Because <laughs> those windshields get pretty expensive. Yes, that's the, that's the idea on a normal car, and it depends on where you are. Some states, you know, the insurance just replaces it with a very right. little cost or no cost. But if right. you've got an expensive windshield or an antique car, then it's a different uh, different economic situation. For sure, for sure. That's, prob that's probably a great product in Florida, given the love bugs in Florida. It is. I have it on my car for that very reason, right? Those things are insidious. 
For those so what, folks who have not driven in Florida during uh, sorry, I was going to say for those people who have not driven in Florida during love bug season, they you will drive through great clusters and swarms of bugs that jam your radiator, cover the car with their goo, and eventually dissolve your paint. So good coating, son. Good coating. <laughs> Uh, yes. So we've uh, pretty well covered, uh, you know, a pretty wide range of uh, uses from aerospace to uh, automobiles, buildings, homes. Uh, that's a pretty broad, uh, broad range. So your your idea group. Uh, how many people do you have in your uh, idea center? Well, we like to like to think that most of our, us are involved in, um, in generating new ideas, but in our research and development group, we only have about a dozen people um, focused solely on research and development. And most of them have PhDs in uh, polymer chemistry or some, um, some plastics related field. Uh, but we really want all of our people, all of our sales guys, all our technical sales guys, really involved with creating new products and finding new applications for us. Must be really interesting listening to the group sit around and talk about, hey, what do you think about that? And what do you think about this? And next thing you know, you've got a new product. Yeah, we have no uh, end of potentials, right? So the difficulty is then taking all of those potential ideas and prioritizing them to find the ones that have the most potential, are most closely aligned with our core strategies and core strengths. So uh, that that's always uh, always very difficult. But I tell my people, I I've got five things that I tell them to focus on to help us innovate. And the first is think big, right? So small changes will yield small results. So big changes, big results. So we've got to innovate with a purpose and be aligned. Then I tell them it's going to be hard work, so they got to dig deep and we've got to put resources dedicated to um, making innovation happen. We've got to reach high, that's the third thing, set high expectations for ourselves and our team, but at the same time, we can't be afraid to fail. Not everything we try is going to work, and in fact, a lot of it doesn't, but if we have more wins than losses, we'll still be ahead of the game. And then the, the final thing, I call it resisting entropy. It's really, you have to stick with the plan. When the road becomes a little tough, you got to push through it. You can't just give up on the strategy, you know, part way through. So, uh, those are the five things I like to tell them to help us continue to innovate and to grow. Well, I'd like to pass on a, a sign that I have on my on my desk in the office. It says, "Think big or go home." <laughs> I like that one. You could borrow it. <laughs> I need it for my office. I got a place right here on the wall. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Donated by Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio. 
Well, Sean, right. this is truly fascinating stuff. Now, you're down in the Tampa area, is that correct? That is correct. We're in a small place called Pinellas Park, just a few miles south of Tampa. I just want to get that in my head. Should I ever find myself traveling down that way, I'd like to get a hold of you and see if I can get a tour. Oh, we'd love, love to show you around, yeah. We just invested uh, many tens of millions of dollars in a, in a new facility here. So um, we've got a lot of new equipment that we're just bringing online. And, uh, in fact, we have an open house where we're going to show it all off on February 13th. So if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come and participate. Why don't you send us a uh, press release on that? We'd be happy to post it. I will do that. Well, this has been terrific, Sean. As I said uh, at the top of the interview, I'm fascinated with what your company does. It's obviously a great innovator to survive 116 years of operation, and we certainly look forward to anything new that you come up with, and should graphene enter your world, I'd love to hear about it and do a show on that as well. Well, can we name it after you if we develop a product, call it the Grady whatever? The Grady Sure, graphene. absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. And with, with no fees charged, just have at it. And All right. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Sean. We've uh, really enjoyed having you on Manufacturing Talk Radio. All right. Well, thanks for having me here. Thank you, Sean. All right. Have a good day. Thank you, you too. We've been. <laughs> and we've been speaking with Sean Kitchell, who is the president and CEO of Matico down in the Tampa, Florida area in Pinellas Park, but does all kinds of fascinating coating products. You need to check out their website at Matico, M-A-D-I-C-O, Matico.com. We'll pass that one by. Great stuff, and we hope they get a call from Elon Musk soon. So for those of you who are interested, we have all kinds of shows like this uh, stored in our library on Manufacturing Talk Radio at mfgtalkradio.com. So check out all of those. Uh, there's a great search tool. You can you know, find a topic you're interested in, type it in. We've probably done a show on it because, Lou, we're cresting over 400 shows here soon, are we not? Close to it. Close to it. If you, if you counted all the road shows we did and uh, the videos we've done and the ones we've got coming up, by the way, we have a show coming up on December 24th. We'll still be on the air, even though it's tight on the holidays, to do a wrap-up of 2019. And on December 31st, we're going to do a forecast for 2020. What does manufacturing look like in 2020? So we appreciate all of our listeners, and thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.